Welcome to the Thrive at Work podcast. In this podcast, we discuss strategies, tools, and tactics to help you find more meaning, more success, and more fulfillment at work. Now, who doesn't want that? So here's your host, Nancy Kabara. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this episode on imposter syndrome. Yep, that thing that we all suffer from from time to time. Um, I've heard people describe it as intellectual self-doubt. Intellectual because it's all in the mind and self-doubt because that's what, you know, we feel like when we're suffering from imposter syndrome. Anyway, so what I did was I looked up some definitions just to see how um, it's officially described. So I'll tell you three definitions. The first one from dictionary.com and I read, so they define imposter syndrome as anxiety or self-doubt that results from persistently undervaluing one's competence and active role in achieving success while falsely attributing one's accomplishments to luck or other external forces. Now, lexicon.com defines imposter syndrome as the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. And the third definition comes from the American Psychological Association, and they define imposter syndrome as when high achievers are unable to internalize and accept their success. So instead of attributing their success to their hard work and abilities, they attribute it to luck and they live in the constant fear that someone will uncover their hooks. Oh my goodness, what a place to be living from. Anyway, let me give you some history as well. Apart from definitions, let's look at some history. So I discovered that the term was first coined or um, first described by two clinical psychologists, PhDs, and um, their names were Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. And this was in the 1970s. Now, what they observed was that many high-achieving women tended to believe that they were inadequate or not competent, despite their academic and professional accomplishments, and that those that were exhibiting the syndrome were convinced that they were frauds. Yet, they were so bright, but they thought they were not as bright as those who um, who they worked with. And they, were, and they also thought that they were not as bright as others thought they were. Now, this phenomenon, what Clance and Imes dis- discovered was that it occurs among high achievers and they are just unable to internalize and accept their success and that they tend to think that it's all luck. Now, they described it as a persistent and a pervasive feeling of, of self-doubt, of insecurity, of incompetence, despite the fact that there were so many markers of these women's skills and their success. So what they also, another thing to point out was that they they discovered that this imposter syndrome phenomenon was mainly observed in successful career women. But with time, what we can see is that both men and women 
suffer from imposter syndrome. So let's look at thinking and feeling. So you might feel that you're going, as we've heard before, you're going to be exposed as a fraud or that you'll be found out to be less than you're suggesting you are or that less than people think that you are. I, th I think also what I've observed is that um, imposter, when you have imposter syndrome, you attribute your success to external factors, as we heard in, in the definitions, or to luck, and you believe that you're unworthy of success. There's this tiny voice telling you that you're not good enough. Actually, sometimes I think the voice is not so tiny. I think it's loud. It screams and it stops you in your tracks and just keeps telling you, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And the voice can be very, very loud, such that it can actually be de debilitating. Uh, I think when you've got imposter syndrome, you doubt your abilities. And maybe it's because of a setback. Maybe you had a setback and then that makes you doubt your abilities going forward. And sometimes also what I've observed is when people are put in a position that demands so much more than they're used to, uh, for example, if you're thrown in the deep end, um, this is when imposter syndrome can, can rear its ugly head. But it's not that you're not capable, it's just that it's an unfamiliar um, circumstance. Another thing is, I, I think I see is that sometimes people have got such high expectations of you and you just feel like you can't live up to those expectations. And so when all this, when all this thinking and feeling is happening, I think there's some things that you end up saying to yourself when you're going through imposter syndrome. And uh, we've heard a, a bit about those, but some of the things I think I've heard is, who am I to be you know, doing this thing or taking up that role? Um, the other one is, what gives me the right to be doing this, to be here. Um, a big one is a question that, can I, can I, can I actually do this? I actually, I can't do this. Or um, <laughs> the one that, if they only knew, and this is a secret one. It's the one that sits in the back of your head. If they only knew, oh, oh imposter syndrome. Anyway, as a result of all that thinking and feeling and the things that you, you can say to yourself if you're, you know, I'm, I'm going to say suffering from imposter syndrome, but it's not a medical condition. And I, I, I think it's also not a psychological condition, but it's a, it's a human being condition, I'll call it, intellectual condition. So as a result of all that thinking, feeling and, and self-talk, I think people who are perfectly entitled to a role or a position or the accolades or the praise feel that they have faked everyone and that they will end up being found out. And what this ends up doing is that they end up sabotaging themselves. And so the way they sabotage themselves, or if you think about it, when you've ever gone through imposter syndrome, and you've ended up sabotaging yourself, some of the ways you might sabotage yourself in is are that one, you might perform below your actual capability because you're so um, caught up in this imposter syndrome, in this fear, um, fear of, you know, 
not meeting expectations. And then the other thing is that you might exhibit a lot of doubt, self-doubt and loss of confidence, and that will be visible to people around you. Uh, another thing you can, a way you can sabotage yourself is by looking for validation and always asking. I had, I had a, a workmate once and, and, and it actually hit me because he was very capable, very bright, but every time he did something or presented uh, a, power, a, a, power, a pack, at the end of it, he'd always ask, um, what did I do? Did I do well? How was that? What do you think? And I thought, oh, why don't you know that you've done well? <laughs> why don't you know that you, you know, that was a really good presentation? But it's because he had imposter syndrome and he never thought that he was good enough. He was always looking for validation outside of himself. And then, and, and as you do that, as, as you keep asking, am I good enough? Was that good enough? What do you think? How, do, how did I perform? What do you think? That actually raises doubts in the in the people around you. They start to wonder, hmm, which I did about this particular guy. I thought, hmm, okay, so maybe they're not as good as they think they are. Maybe they are fooling us. But um, at that stage, I didn't realize that they were just suffering from imposter syndrome. Anyway, and then the other way to sabotage yourself when you're going through imposter syndrome is to minimize your success. So you, you know, you, you don't talk about your success, you don't own your success, and that means you don't get, uh, people are not confident to refer you for even bigger opportunities. Now, so I have often wondered, why does this come up? Why does imposter syndrome come up? And some of the reasons are, one, I think constant comparison. Whenever we compare ourselves to others, um, I think that leads us to doubt ourselves. And sometimes it's of overestimating what others can do compared to what we can do. And then we end up underestimating what we can do because we think others can do better. The other way that um, imposter syndrome impacts can impact you is, for example, when you underestimate what you can do because you think it should be second nature and that it, is, it should be easy. And so you minimize the things that you have achieved and you underestimate your success because you think, oh, you know, it's second nature. I do it with my with my eyes closed, so it can't be a biggie. It can't be a big thing. Um, I also think because we've been taught to be humble, so we minimize ourselves. We um, we don't want to uh, <laughs> we we don't want to claim success when. You know, when it's something that you just did as part of your job, so you minimize that uh, and, and all in an effort to be humble. Uh, I, I also think that, as I said before, undefined expectations. Sometimes we set these expectations in our heads and yet they're not what people expect of you. It's just that you've decided that these are the expectations that I'm going to live to. And um, sometimes these expectations are, are unrealistic, but they create a lot of fear, which in turn 
creates uh, the imposter syndrome within us. Okay, so, so far we've looked at the definitions of what imposter syndrome is. We've looked at how it manifests in our thinking, in our feeling, and in the things we say to ourselves. We have also looked at what causes it, uh, what, what it results in, you know, self-sabotage, and looked at some potential causes. Now, I want to go into something that I found very interesting. So I didn't know that there were types of imposter syndrome, but apparently there are five types of imposter syndrome. And these were identified by a lady called Dr. Valerie Young in 1982. 1982, a long time ago. Anyway, she said that there are five types of imposter syndrome. So five types of ways you might um, experience imposter syndrome. And I think also the causes, some of the causes of um, the underlying causes of imposter syndrome. So the five ways were um, the five types of imposter syndrome. One is the expert. And I'll tell you, I'll give you the list of the five and then I'll actually go through each one and just tell you a bit more about them. So number one is the expert. And now the expert is the person who expects to know everything. Then the second type of imposter syndrome is the soloist. Solo, soloist as in solo, working solo. They feel that they must work alone. And the third type is the natural genius who thinks everything should be easy. And then the superman or the superwoman who feels that they should be fantastic at everything. And then there's the one I think that's familiar, the most familiar to all of us, and that's normally attached to uh, imposter syndrome, is the perfectionist. And that's the person who sets these really high standards that are you know, almost always impossible to achieve. So let me go through each one of them and, and let's just see how we connect them with, um, with imposter syndrome. Okay, so the, the expert type of imposter syndrome is the person who expects to know everything and they feel ashamed when they don't. So these individuals, are, they are always trying to learn more and more and more and are never satisfied with their level of understanding. So even though they might be highly skilled, very highly skilled, highly educated, they actually under, uh, they un underrate or they under, under, undervalue their own expertise because they expect to know everything and they know they don't know everything. <laughs> Can you imagine? So that's the expert. So obviously, they'll suffer from imposter syndrome because they, they keep they're constantly thinking, I am not good enough. And the root cause of the I am not good enough is the fact that they don't know everything, despite the fact that the, the thought that they should know everything. Okay, so that was number one, and that's the soloist. Uh, sorry, the expert. So number two is the soloist. That's the second type of imposter syndrome. Now, the soloists, are, they are the type of people who tend to be very individualistic and they prefer to work alone. Their self-worth often comes from their productivity. And these are people, because they like to work alone, 
they tend to reject any offers of assistance. And in fact, if you offer to assist them, they can get very angry and can get very defensive because what do you mean? Do you think I can't do that? I can do that. <laughs> so they tend to see asking for help as a sign of weakness or incompetence and can get very, 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 very um, touchy. Now, because they believe that their work must be done by themselves and by them alone, they tend to not take credit for work if they have received any form of assistance. So these are the people who will be praised for the work they've done, but because they know that so-and-so helped them with some part of that work, they just flatly refuse to accept that, that praise and will dismiss it and uh, continue to think that because somebody helped me, I am not good enough. So that's the second type. Now, as I say these five different and describe these five different types of imposter syndrome, take some time to think which one <laughs> resonates with you, okay? All right, so the third type of um, imposter syndrome is the natural genius. Now, this this type of um, uh, person tells themselves that everything must be handled with ease because they're a natural genius. So if you're a genius, everything should be easy. So they set such high and lofty goals for themselves. And guess what? They feel so crushed when they don't succeed on their first try. So when they, because everything should be easy, when they do it first time, it should work. And when it doesn't, they, they are crushed. They, they, they find it very hard to accept and they struggle and they dismiss themselves and not being good enough because they see themselves as not, as, as not having that natural talent in that specific thing that they tried. So that's how they, uh, they manifest imposter syndrome. So are you a natural genius? <laughs> so then the fourth type is the superhero. Remember I said Superman, Superwoman? Yeah, so it's the superhero and they feel that they should excel at every single role or every single thing that they take up in life. They're the superhero, they can do it all. And they feel compelled to push themselves to work hard, as hard as possible. They keep working very hard. They'll pick up all sorts of um, activities, all sorts of roles. They're the savior, they're the superhero, they can do it all. But guess what? When they fall short, they feel so inadequate and start to question themselves and feel like they're just not good enough. And then there's the last one, number five is the perfectionist. And this is, as I said, the more familiar one. Now, the perfectionist sets such impossibly high standards for themselves. And because the standards are so high, they most times they don't reach them and they beat themselves up. And they don't just beat themselves up, you know, gently. They give themselves a thrashing. And um, they are they tend to, you know, they tend to focus, rather than focusing on this on their strengths, they tend to fixate on their mistakes. And then so it leads to a lot of pressure, self-pressure, high and, and high amounts of anxiety. And because they're never satisfied, they always feel that their work should be better. 
And so they are the ones that are most prone to imposter syndrome because they just are not satisfied. They're always in the back of their mind. This is not good enough. I am not good enough. I should be doing better. I will be found out that, you know, the level to which I've done this work is not good enough. They'll think I'm a fraud. And so the, the perfectionist exhibits imposter syndrome that way. So those are the five, the expert who expects to know everything, the soloist who feels like they must work alone, the natural genius who thinks everything should be easy, and the superhero, superman or superwoman, who feels that they should excel at everything. And then lastly, the perfectionist who sets such high standards and when they fall short, they can't be satisfied with themselves. So <laughs> which one of the five do you identify with? Come on. All right, send me a text, uh, sorry, an email and let me know. Nancy at Thrive at Work com.au okay so now that we've talked about the background what imposter syndrome is I'm not going to leave you high and dry I will give you some tips as to how to overcome it or how to deal with it because you might not overcome it because what we what the research says is that um, there are moments of imposter syndrome so luckily most of us don't suffer from imposter syndrome all the time continuously but there are moments uh, key moments in our lives in our careers when imposter syndrome is a is a is evident in our lives so there are three ways that i want to give you now one the first way is self-talk your internal narrative the things that you say to yourself because because imposter syndrome inflicts successful people I think that it's very important to acknowledge that you are an expert at something. You have knowledge, you have experience, and you do know your area of work, but the fact is that you don't know every permutation and every uh, foreseeable advancement. You don't know everything to do with um, with that space. So I think you should acknowledge that I am good, but I don't know everything. Now, the other thing I think that's important to tell yourself is that there will always be someone who knows more than you. And look, that person could be, you know, you could view them as a as a coach or a mentor or um, just somebody to look up to, somebody to learn from. And then on the flip side of that, there will always be someone who knows less than you and so that person could be your uh, coachee your mentee your um, student could be your audience who you share ideas with so there's always two sides people who know more than you people who know less than you and then one thing that I love to tell myself when I start to think oh what are they thinking about me or um, did I did, you know was this good enough I always think What others think about me is a secret. It's their secret and it's none of my business unless they tell me. (laughs) So rest assured that everybody has some bit of imposter syndrome in them at some time. And that 70%, actually, one piece of research said that between 70 and 84% 
of people feel like they're a fake at one time or another in their lives. So, in, so self-talk, that internal narrative, that internal dialogue is very important when you're, when you're going through imposter syndrome. So that was number one, tip number one. Now, tip number two, I think it's really fascinating if you question and learn when you find yourself judging yourself. So for example, when you receive praise and instead of brushing it aside and because maybe you found it too easy, you know, like that came naturally to you, you're exhibiting the uh, natural genius type of imposter syndrome where it was so easy that you don't want to be praised for it. So if that's happening, I think a really good thing to do is to stop and ask yourself, hmm, so what did they see in me that I am not seeing? I'll say that again. Ask yourself, what does the person that's giving me praise, what have they seen in me that I am not seeing in myself? And if you do this, it will help you acknowledge yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back and it just reduces the imposter syndrome and the feeling of a fake or a, or a fraud. And the third one, which I tell all my coaches, is to keep a success log. And that is a log of all your accomplishments, any recommendations or commendations you have gotten, any praise that you've received. Just appreciate yourself. Keep a log of all these things so that when you're in doubt, when you're experiencing intellectual self-doubt, <laughs> aka imposter syndrome, you can go back to these to this log and really read through, through it and it will help you celebrate your successes and actually bring them to life. So, can you believe that successful people like Aristotle or you know people we look up to like Aristotle and Maya Angelou actually suffered from <laughs> imposter syndrome so Maya Angelou said I have written 11 books but each time I think oh oh they're going to find out I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out so imagine the successful author kept thinking that should be found out to be a fake but guess what? She still wrote, so so can you. Okay, so listen. If you are going through imposter syndrome and you don't have a coach helping you navigate those challenges, I can be your coach. Just get in touch. You can email me at nancy at thriveatwork.com.au and I can help you. Okay, my friends. I will see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Thrive at Work podcast with your host, Nancy Kabara. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also leave a review, which will help the podcast reach and impact more people. Till next time.